Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. We are working our way through it, basically a chapter at a time, although uh, now that we've gone through the Gospels and Acts and we finished all of those, we are going to make our way into some of the smaller letters. And, uh, and like tonight, we'll do two chapters because the chapter was only 10, verse, 10 verses. And so uh, we can do the first couple of chapters. Um, we... You would think that after you'd finished the Gospels and Acts that the next place to go would be the book of Romans because that's the next one in the book. However, uh, I decided not to do that. And the reason why is we'll get to it fairly quickly, but the, uh, I thought it would be interesting since we've just studied the book of Acts and we've talked about all the stuff that we did in the early church and that we spent the last, uh, I don't know, four months kind of talking about Paul's missionary journeys and what he was up to that we would start uh, into the letters then that he wrote back to these churches um, that he got going and that we try and take them in um, what we believe is the order that they were written. And we would look at things that way. And then maybe we'd have some context because we just studied the missionary journeys of what was going on and how and how those things were all taking place. And so that's kind of my, my goal in the we're at it. So the, the first two letters we believe Paul wrote were first and, first and second Thessalonians. I almost said second, um, but I stopped myself. First and second Thessalonians. And they would have been written in uh, 50, 51, 52 uh, AD. And we're, we're pretty confident that Paul's first journey there was around 49 AD. So within a year or two of his visit... Uh, he wrote these letters back to the church. Um, remember that uh, Paul was going into these places and uh, preaching the gospel, which is what he did, and he'd start in the synagogues, and then he'd take it to the Gentiles, and then out of that, they would start churches. And th the church was a brand new thing, and so there's lots of questions, and there's lots of things that they're not sure how to do, and so Paul would talk to them, and remember sometimes he'd leave Silas, or, or he'd leave Timothy, or Tida, or somebody, eventually he'd, he'd leave them there, send them around, one of the workers, to kind of help them through the process. But, but now we're going to see what's going on with some of these early church plants, very early in the ministry. So Paul and his companions had gone to Thessalonica um, in the early part of his second missionary journey, about, as I said, AD 49. And Acts 17, we're going to read part of that in a minute, tells us that the, what he did was, like he did in most places, first he approached the established Jewish community there. And uh, in this particular case, we know he presented the, gospels for, uh, the gospel message for three Sabbaths to them. Then, they, they, some believe, some didn't, they don't want to hear him anymore. And so he, he couldn't keep preaching there to them. But he stayed on, and we believe he was in Thessalonica for about six months until finally um, the, the Jewish religious leaders uh, marshal up a big enough uprising against him and they chase him out of town. And so this, uh, the, the church there, the, the, the Christian church, was a largely Gentile church, all right? And it's one of the first in the group. Now, the one in Antioch had Gentiles, we know as well, but this is a pretty big deal. Um, it, it was a pretty typical city that Paul sort of hit on his journeys because it was uh, on sort of the routes that were traveled. Uh, it was located on the main highway from east to west. It had a good harbor. It was a trade center. And uh, it was kind of the largest and most important city in Macedonia. 
and uh, it was the capital, Thessalonica was. And the church there, we're going to find out, uh, that started was a very vigorous church. It got busy right away, and it grew very rapidly, both in size and commitment to the Lord. Because Paul actually says, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And, uh, and so what we get from that is, since we know the letter was written in 50 or 51 AD, and he was there in 49, that the gospel message took hold quick and took off. And a uh, pretty powerful thing. Remember, in a very uh, pagan-oriented society, which is what they had reached into there, uh, uh, the, the message of the gospel had grabbed hold and moved forward very quickly. And so I want to get a little context for the Thessalonians by reading part of Acts chapter 17, just the first 10 verses, just so you can remember what was going on. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Now, to give you even a little more context, they'd just gotten kicked out of Philippi. Um, if you remember where the, the uh, girl who was uh, demon-possessed and was a fortune teller, Paul had just cast that demon out of her, and, and the, the people that owned this slave girl were not very happy and had him imprisoned. Do you remember? And all sorts of stuff happened. And so he gets, he gets and, then, and, and they get beaten half to death there, uh, flogged um, for that. And then the, the, the town uh, elders of Philippi come and ask him, please, to leave town, which he does. So, so now they're heading on, and they come to Thessalonica on their journey. And there was a Jewish synagogue there. Verse 2, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three, three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and raise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. I, I kind of chuckle at that because that's, that's the pushback from the established religious, religious community. Let's go hire some gangsters, <laughs> start a riot to get this guy out of town. Isn't that how you do it when you're in the church? I, I don't know. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Nice guys. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city official, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil, then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon it was night, as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. So you get a context for what did happen when he was in Thessalonica, bad ending in Philippi, which is normal, usually got chased out of town, came to Thessalonica, spent three Sabbaths there reasoning with the Jews. Some were persuaded, but most were not. Most were jealous. Uh, he spent another five months or so there before they finally got a crowd whipped up to get him out of town. And in that six-month period, this church got started. And, uh, um, and they, they flourished, even in Paul's absence. And so a couple of years later, he's, he's writing back to them to help them to answer questions, to do those sort of things. And, and what you get when you read these letters in that context is listen for Paul's heart for these people. 
See, because I think it had to be hard for Paul because he would go into these places and he would build a church and he would connect and make relationships and form very close ties with these people who were, were coming out of darkness into light and whose lives were being completely changed. And then at some point he would have to go. And, and it's like he left a little part of him wherever he, he left. But, it, you know, I always think with Paul, it had to be hard because you, you're going to read in this how uh, you're going to see how much he loves them still, how much he misses them, how much like a parent he was to all of them in the faith, um, both mother and father sort of influences in there. And, and uh, um, I think you get, uh, not in a bad way, but how proud he is of them. Uh, because you'll hear it, that, that uh, he's really pleased with what's been going on since he left. And I think, you know, when I read that, I get to thinking that Paul, um, it's those kind of things um, that, that make everything that he does worthwhile. I mean, I get, I know that he's serving God and that makes it worthwhile in itself, but you've got to remember that, like, on the way to, to get flogged is not a good thing. And that happened to him on the way to Thessalonica. And, and, we, we read all about his trials and the things that he went through and the shipwrecks and the beatings and the lashes and all that stuff. And then to hear that, that time that he spent in that strange place with those people that he never met until he got there has produced fruit in the kingdom and in their lives is huge. I mean, and I mean it, I, to me, I just get the idea of him, you know, writing these letters and, and in him is this, this is what it's all about and, and what makes it all worthwhile. And so uh, kind of hold that in mind as we read. Uh, let's start with uh, 1 Thessalonians. There's 10 verses there in chapter 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. I love the way Paul writes letters, by the way. Uh, if you can kind of read that and just take it in, you feel good just reading it. I do. Just like, ah. That's cool. The Apostle Paul sending you grace and peace. It's pretty good stuff. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. Also, I, I'm, again, very cool. <laughs> I think that would have to be a kick to know that Paul, who'd spend the time with you, is still praying for you, right? Really good stuff. We continually remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, for we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. You know that, that word everywhere? That's pretty cool. You know what it means? Thank you. Everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves everyone, report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead Jesus, <clears throat> who rescues us 
from the coming wrath. Now, we're going to find out in these letters, they've got some questions about Jesus coming back. And he's going to address them in, in the course of these two letters. So just so you know, but he's, he's, he's praising them because they turn from idols to the living God and, and they wait for his son's return um, in the process. Now let's go and do the next chapter as well. First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 20. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. I think it's funny that he calls what happened to him being insulted. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak to men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know that we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. You just saw both references there. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Blessed be the word of the Lord. See, I, when you read that, especially that last part there, that's an intense connection from Paul. That, you know, when it's all over, what, what we're most excited about is you. you. You are our glory and joy. And, and Paul is just writing to his friends, these people, whose lives have been touched and changed by his, his really six-month time with them. Six months is not very long. Sometimes it seems very, but six months goes by pretty quick. Um, and, and that's what they had, six months. And he said the whole time they were working and preaching and doing all those things. So just a few points uh, in this. Uh, there in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 um, Paul introduces himself as the writer. 
Uh, and he also mentioned Silas and Timothy, because I'm sure they're adding their own, they, they were there, they have their own thing they're adding, but Paul's doing the writing in this process. They're writing to the church that was started in Thessalonica. And then in verses 2 and 3, they express their joy in what God has done there and, and commends them for their faith, love, and endurance, uh, which is pretty cool. And, and, you know, when you think about it, they had exercised faith in Christ when they believed the gospel. They were loving Christ in the present, and they were hoping for his return in the, the future. It's a picture of, of how people who love G Jesus really are to focus their lives. And that's what they'd done. They'd, they'd focus their lives. See, because not only had they heard the gospel, they'd received it, and they were doing something about it, as is evidenced by what was happening there in the church. Uh, verses 4 through 8. In fact, this focused life um, brings about not only a change to the, to the church, but it has an impact on the entire area. And many people are coming to Christ because of the way the church there has been established and is living among them. And so uh, not only, as I said, had they received the message, they began to walk it out, and it was making a big difference in the world. And see, that's what the church is supposed to do. That's, that's, that's our function, is that we, we are in a place uh, where God calls us to be, and he calls us to live the best we can in him. Not perfect, because we're not perfect, but, but you know, our focus is him. And so, you know, we... Faith in, in believing in Christ and, and love in, in, in the present, loving well and, and hoping for his return and knowing that when that happens, you know, all sorts of things take place. But, but focused uh, on him as, as being the priority of our lives. And that when we live that way, the church begins to have an impact on the world around us. When, when we sort of break out of our all about me stuff we've been talking about, it changes things. And, and they had made a huge change. And really, the, the biggest concept, especially in chapter 2, uh, is about that changed lives. And it, it's really the main point that I want to make uh, of all the points. We, we're not going to do that much more. When you read this, what you need to see is how changed these people had become. To go from um, a people very lost, very, very uh, you know, uh, very into doing their own thing and, and being very self-centered. They had changed completely, and it demonstrates the power of the gospel, the power of the Word of God. See, the, the Word of God has power to change us. And, and for me, one of the ways we always know when God is at work is that lives are being changed. Because um, if we just got together and hung out and studied the book and, and never did anything with it, and we weren't seeing our lives being changed and the lives of others being changed, we're missing something. Because the, 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 the book has the, got the power to change us. The Spirit of God comes and, and changes us. See, the Word of God changes us. It should change us. If it doesn't change us, then something isn't right. And so this is what happens, and it's such a beautiful picture of what's taking place. Um, and, and so much was happening. And listen, this isn't a year-and-a-half, two-year period. So much is happening in that church that it's becoming known all around the world. And, you know, you think about it. They didn't have Internet back then. Uh, that's pretty amazing. It's not like it can go viral like it does now where some, somebody does a silly dance on YouTube and all of a sudden 
19 million people have viewed it overnight. There's some sort of sensation for doing this in front of a camera. Yeah, go ahead and make that viral. Um, <laughs> but what they had done, see, see, that's the impact. See, when, 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 you, when you break out of your, of your mold and do stuff that people don't expect, um, it has an impact that spreads. One of my favorite stories is, is when we do these car washes over here, um, they start hearing about it all up and down the Keys because I get reports back that someone was, you know, they were in Key Largo and they'd stop from here, you know, and then they met these people and they had just come and they were talking about these people that had washed their cars. Um, I got a report from a trucker uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, he was in a truck stop and he was really lonely and he met this other guy and he happened to be a Christian and that guy was talking about our car washes. Um, see, that's, that's cool stuff. So, so word can spread about this stuff. And because of what the Thessalonians were doing, see, it wasn't about them. They had changed. See, they'd gotten it. They'd taken the gospel that Paul preached. But they'd also understood that it was the power to change. And they, they got how much love there was in God. And, and they took all that in. And it caused them to love others and to do the things that they'd seen Paul do. And to make a difference in the world. And, and uh, all of uh, chapter 2 is pretty much an expansion of verse 9, which is what I'm talking about, which is, talks about the, the power of the gospel to change. And um, it, it, it talks, he also talks about how Paul, Paul lived among them. He was very careful in the way that he lived among them so that um, his words and his life matched up. See, now that's another big thing. Um, the way we live in community is important, that our lives and our, what we say and how we live have to match up. Now again, don't hear me wrong. Sometimes people think, oh, that means, not hypocritically, you can't, you can't say one thing and live something completely different. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that you portray that you're perfect because we're not. What you live is honest lives before people, lives of integrity. Uh, and integrity is about living what you say and that those things should match as closely as you can get them except for that we all mess up sometimes but the idea is that they fairly well match in your life and that that um, that life should make sense you know it's I've said sometimes you really shouldn't have to tell people you're a Christian but when they find out they shouldn't be surprised <laughs> If the reaction is what, what? <laughs> you may want to think about it. But again, I've also, have I ever told you these stories sometimes where I, I'll be out in a place, like it happens, I haven't, I don't golf much anymore, but I used to golf more often and we would, I would go out on a golf course and, and you know, I'd be by myself or just one other person and we'd get mixed into a foursome, you know, and we'd start golfing and Everything would be great, and the people we were golfing with didn't know us, and they were telling stories and jokes and having a big time and just being regular folks. You know, I don't care about that stuff. And then somewhere around the 10th or 11th hole, so what do you do? <laughs> this is going to ruin everything. <laughs> I'm a pastor, and it would just go completely quiet for the rest of the holes. They would just... <laughs> So usually now I tell them I'm a motivational speaker. 
That kind of keeps the conversation going for a while. It's not, it's the truth. Um, but see, the, it's, the, the concept is that as we um, take in the gospel in our own lives, and as we try and live it out, it, sh it should have a, the natural thing is that it impacts people around us. And that's what's happening here, and it's such a great picture. But, but see, they got it all. They, Paul had a way of not only preaching to them, but, but loving them well. Somehow demonstrating the love of God. And, and when people get a hold of the love of God, then, then it all begins to kind of take in and make a difference. And, and, uh, and that's really what's happening in, in these first couple of chapters. Um, and uh, the way that Paul describes his love for them, like I said, it's, I said it in the beginning, but you, you get this... I get this picture of him looking and saying, go guys, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. And that makes this all worthwhile. That makes all the craziness that I go through make sense. Because you got it. You know that God loves you. And now you're telling other people that God loves them and you're preaching the gospel and lives are being changed. And, and that's what we look for in church. That's what it's really all about. Are lives being changed? Are people being impacted by the power of the gospel? And are their lives being changed? And if you got that, then, then you're making a difference. And that's uh, really what we need to hear and do. So that's all I'm going to do today. It's a good start. We're going to read, we'll probably do three chapters next week uh, in First Thessalonians. And we'll see where it goes from there. Most of this was introduction and Paul writing back to them, telling them he missed them, that he loved them, and he was proud of them. So that now he can kind of help them in some other issues. All right, so we'll, we'll finish it there. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. God bless you. If you need anything, call us, write us. We'll see what we can do to help you. And uh, we'll go ahead and close here with prayer tonight. Why don't you pass me up your prayer requests? And I will.